Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. You're confident when it comes to your work and life. Rocket Mortgage gives you the same confidence when it comes to refinancing your existing mortgage or buying a home. It lets you understand all the details so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. Go to rocketmortgage.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, June 30th, and we're checking in on the music streaming space. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined on Skype by Fool.com senior tech specialist, Evan New. Evan, what's up? Got any big plans for 4th of July? Actually, I'm going to take a, uh, <clears throat> a road trip down to Texas over the weekend. It'll be fun. Haven't, uh, haven't driven that far in my car before, so that'll be kind of fun. <laughs> Those are your old stomping grounds, right? Yeah, my family's down there, so I'm meeting the wife and the kids down there, so it'll be nice. Uh, so I, I have a Tesla, and I've never taken that long of a road trip in a Tesla before, so I think you know, it'll be interesting to, to see what it's like to drive two days and use the superchargers and all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a cool experience. You know, when you guys take road trips, are you a podcast family? Are you a, like a playlist family, books on tape? What, what, how do you guys occupy your time? Well, I mean, we have kids, and kids don't really mix with podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, we just tend to kind of listen to whatever they want to listen to. You know, they they kind of call the shots there. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess you got to listen to the boss. Uh, <laughs> um, well, we're going to be doing a rundown on music streaming and, and some updates from some major companies on today's show. Uh, we've got news from Pandora, Apple, and like surprisingly Tesla. Uh, <laughs> which uh, that's a head scratcher, and I think we'll, we'll get onto that in a little bit. But why don't we kick things off with Pandora? A lot has happened for the company in the past month or so. In early June, they announced that Sirius was taking a $480 million stake in the business and that the company was selling off its Ticketfly online ticketing property. Uh, why don't we unpack that first part there? Uh, it looks like Sirius is taking what amounts to about a 19% stake in the business. And you know, for the longest time, there's been this "will they, won't they" with these two companies. You know, they've they've talked about possibly doing an acquisition. There's been rumors for a while. This is not a full acquisition, uh, but it gives Sirius a meaningful stake in the business and three seats on Pandora's board. Uh, in your eye, Evan, you know what makes Pandora attractive to Sirius? I mean, I think the whole thing. I mean, one of the main factors is the fact that you know, Sirius is still very reliant on the automotive market. I mean. No one listens to satellite radio outside of the car. I mean, because it's basically a standalone device, and no one really does that anymore. So they're they're still very tied to the auto market, and I mean that's kind of under threat by the fact that cars are becoming increasingly connected with a wider array of music options. So you know, if you're kind of tied to this market and that mark, that's your only real you know market, and it's getting a lot more competitive there. Then you know you got to start exploring other other avenues, and I think for them it's a way to kind of get some exposure to internet radio, just kind of more digital radio services. Uh, and they also lack an on-demand service, which you know is something that <clears throat> Pandora is just now finally getting up and running. So I, th- I mean I think that's part of it. Yeah, and a lot of people think of Pandora as kind of a laggard in the online music streaming space, but they do have a, you know something what like seventy million users. So. Um, you know, they certainly have a large kind of installed base um, to uh, to kind of pick up on and work off of. If you're serious, um, I do want to kind of hit that second point of that news: uh, them selling Ticketfly. And I gotta say, like, I'm a little bit annoyed about this um, <laughs> because I I'm a Pandora shareholder, and frankly, I was thinking about getting out of my position right around right before they announced that acquisition. And I was like, you know what? This is really interesting. I want to see what happens here. So just just looking at the numbers, first off. 
they sold it for 200 million and they paid i think about 330 million for the property in 2015 the original sticker price was 450 but i think because of the stock side of the deal it can't wound up coming in at less so they're they're already eating costs there and for me the the ticket fly segment was actually what made them really interesting you know you think about the economics of a pure music streaming business you're basically working with a commoditized product right like consumers have decided they're paying $10 a month and and all the providers have basically said yeah that's that's what we're going to offer it at so you don't have any pricing power there and then licensing fees eat up a lot of the margins for these companies and there's not a lot of room to negotiate there so you're in two different um, kind of major elements of your business where you don't have a lot of control the ticketing business is super high margin and i felt like it fit in so well with their core offering i'm kind of surprised to see them shutter that that side of the business yeah i never i didn't really follow the ticket fly deal too closely i mean i've kind of you know seen it as, as it's played out but i mean i i did remember back then when they announced the deal like thinking that does make some strategic sense because like you mentioned you know obviously music streaming and then you know turning that into you know selling tickets for online shows does kind of intuitively make some sense but i wonder you know i i, I can also see the case how it's hard to kind of integrate those together in a really you know seamless way and maybe that was the problem because I mean, it sounds like it fits, but operationally, maybe they just had a hard time, you know, kind of figuring out a good experience to kind of integrate these two aspects. So maybe they just figured it was too hard, and they should focus on, you know, shoring up the the core business. Maybe I don't know. It, it is kind of a weird deal, both you know, in, in more ways than one. And and that's what I've heard a little bit of, you know, some rumblings that they were having some technical issues, and that it was a little bit of a nightmare in that sense. But um, I think it's a little bit frustrating for me because you know I see that you know Ticketfly's growth wasn't outrageous, but it was you know to like a twenty to thirty percent clip year over year, and that is like you know far outpacing what Pandora's core business was doing. And so you know you have a a strong asset that is performing. It's you know small compared to the revenue base of their um, subscription and ad businesses, but still it's it's moving along a lot faster than the rest of it is. So to give up on that, particularly after paying, you know, more than what you wound up selling it for, uh, as a shareholder, I was a little frustrated. Um, and really, I think the motivation—I understand they needed to raise cash, and they have some some things that they're going to be chasing in the next year or so, and then they want to make sure that they have the money on hand to do that. Um, in my mind, it kind of felt like a cut off your nose to spite your face type decision, where, you know, it, they were basically getting rid of this very solid performing asset to. Um, to sure up what was going on, you know, more short term with the business. I think long term it might not be the greatest decision. Um, there, there is more news though. <laughs> it is not just limited to uh, selling off Ticketfly and the Sirius stake. Um, kind of following on Sirius being more involved in the business, we have an update on what's going on with Pandora's management team. Yeah. So co-founder CEO Tim Westergren is stepping down. Um, the- you know, they're also the former CFO is also leaving. The chief marketing officer is leaving. Uh, so pretty big shakeup there. CFO Naveen Chopra, who will currently will serve as the interim CEO as they you know search for a new CEO, and they added a new director too. So kind of a lot of changes there at the top. And this isn't all that surprising when you talk about having an outside investor take a major stake in a business and get board seats, right? Like. They are going to have their influence felt uh, pretty quickly because they probably have an idea for how things should be run. Um, so it is not shocking that there's some management shakeup. 
Um, there's also, uh, you know, we hinted at this before, but a little bit of a refocusing here in, you know, where they want to, you know, put their capital, and they're kind of doubling down on their domestic business now. Right, that, that too. But I mean, uh, as far as Westergren goes, I think it's kind of arguably also overdue because I mean, shares jumped just on the rumors that he was going to be leaving <laughs> um, before it was official. And I mean, if you think about it, Pandora, in my mind, has really kind of dropped the ball on 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 like shifting to on demand. I mean, they they created internet radio and streaming, right? And they're like the first mover, and then they just have slipped into like irrelevance because they. They didn't really give much attention to on-demand, and they made a lot of strategic missteps. So, I mean, someone has to be held accountable for these these mistakes. And I think shareholders for for a while have been frustrated with Westergren, and you know, I, I think that's why shares jumped. And I think you know maybe this will help them turn turn the corner if they can find someone else that can lead you know, navigate that transition better. But uh, to, to, to the next point being you know international, I mean, yeah. So they also announced that they are going to be pulling out of Australia and New Zealand, which are the only two international markets that they've ever operated in beyond the United States, um, which boils down to, I think, licensing, because you know, they've disclosed that they don't have the, the direct licensing agreements in place to launch on-demand services in Australia or New Zealand. Uh, they do, you know, they are, they recently rolled that out in the U.S., so, you know, the whole idea now is that, you know, these other markets just aren't really that great, and they can't. They don't have the licensing in place. Like, you know, it's just not going to work out well. So they they want to focus on the on the U.S. side of the business, but it's it's really competitive in the U.S. too. I mean, it's not such an easy thing to you know to make a name for yourself when when you've kind of slipped and you know dropped the ball on this one, like we mentioned. Yeah, the push for the company over the next couple of years is going to be on-demand streaming in the United States, and that space is absolutely dominated by Spotify and Apple Music right now. Right, so I mean, I mean, none, none of these companies break out their their user numbers geographically. So, but at a high level, you know, Spotify has 50 million paid subscribers, about 90 million free ad-supported users. Apple Music's at 27 million paid subscribers does not offer a free ad-supported tier, so zero free users. Whereas Pandora is at you know under five million paid subscribers, so less than a tenth of Spotify. And has about seventy some odd million free ad supported users, and they haven't really grown that much in terms of the total number of users. I mean, Pandora is not a growth company anymore in terms of you know, attracting users because everyone's going to Spotify and Apple Music, and and that's very specifically because they haven't had this on demand aspect. And you know, Chopra actually spoke at a Bernstein conference earlier this week, right after the announcements, and he you know he basically said. Pandora's strategy is to, quote, nail the passive listening experience, which, you know, music streaming is kind of, you know, split between active and passive, right? I mean, some people like passive. I personally like passive more. A lot of people like active, too. And and you you need to have both. You need to have the on-demand active listening side. And I think Pandora's mistake has been focusing too much on the passive side, which is why they're in this predicament. So it's kind of weird that he's still, like, Hey, we still need to do this passive really well, which is like that was never your problem. Your problem was lacking the on-demand. <laughs> well, right, and you know, I think part of the problem too is that um, Spotify has done such a good job with their curated playlists, and you know, delivering people you know on a weekly basis new music to check out, new discovery playlists. So, uh, you know, that is passive in a sense. It's not something that you're actively curating, um, and it might be kind of a discovery engine. 
for listeners, which is exactly what I think Pandora is for a lot of people. So, you know, we talked about how they have tens of millions of users, you know, total, uh, not necessarily paid, but a lot of those people might be using another on-demand streaming service um, in addition to Pandora. So it's not like they're going to be able to convert that entire user base over to um, you know on-demand streamers. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. So like they, they definitely everyone has like passive radio curation. I mean that was also a big part of why Apple bought Beats was not, not just the algorithmic side but the human side because you know they had a, a whole team of human editors and, and curation pe- you know team that including you know people like Trent Reznor who's a big you know. Um, Nine Inch Nails, right? Right, exactly. And he, which is kind of crazy because I grew up listening to Nine Inch Nails, and now he's like an Apple executive, <laughs> which is just kind of like a funny thing, you know, to, to come full circle on. But yeah, I mean, so everyone has had this passive radio kind of curation. So you know, Spotify and Apple Music have both worked to make sure to be able to deliver the radio side that basically competes directly with what Pandora has. But Pandora never turned around, and you know, until like just a few months ago never turned around and you know, expanded into the active side the on-demand side so i think that's kind of you know everyone wants to have both and spotify and apple are were working harder to to provide both whereas pandora did not so i mean it's not really surprising that they're kind of slipping but i mean whether or not they can they can turn around and bring them back i, I think it's they're they're really facing an uphill battle because i mean especially in terms of paid subscribers which the recording industry highly prefers paid subscribers because, you know, they don't want people assuming music should be free, just as far as like just a value perception. So, I mean, and the fact that Pandora is so weak in terms of actually getting people to pay up, and doesn't really put them in a good position with the rec- the, the record labels either. Right. I think if you're an investor looking from the outside in here, you and you don't have a stake in Pandora, um, my guidance would be to stay away. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, you basically have this business that is going through major leadership sh- shakeup. Uh, they're scrapping expansion plans. They're focusing on a core product, and like I said, they sold off this performing asset in Ticketfly so that they could build up their cash hoard. Uh, things are really messy at the company right now. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. Uh, I'm not. Planning on selling my shares anytime soon because you know I think there's a possibility that maybe they get bought at some point or you know there's there's kind of some blip that uh, gives them a little bit of upside but I certainly wouldn't be buying in now as an investor. Yeah, I, I've never liked Pandora's business model honestly. <laughs> and I still, and think it's not like new, things have gotten better like, like we've been talking about. So it's just been getting worse. So yeah, I, I definitely would be staying away too. So Evan, we talked about Apple Music a little bit before. Uh, I thought we should kind of come back to it. There's some news that's recently come out uh, about their kind of cost intentions with the service and and looking to kind of bring things down, maybe make it a little bit more profitable. Right. So there have been reports that Apple's trying to negotiate. Uh, lower rates you know, with the record label. So right now, reportedly, uh, the record labels keep about 58% of revenue, which is usually the largest cost, direct cost associated with the service, which suggests that it's, it has a gross margin of about 42%, um, which is higher than the corporate average. You know, so you can kind of you can immediately appreciate it there from a profitability standpoint. But if they can get that that licensing cost down even more, you know, while Apple Music is growing, because I think that's that's a big piece of it, because they agree to pay higher royalties. Um, but if they can, you know, grow users, which the industry likes, then they can they have a better position to kind of negotiate a lower percentage royalty take. Uh, and Spotify is around supposedly around fifty five percent and dropped to fifty two percent recently after some negotiations. So it does seem possible that Apple can can get a better 
a deal, uh, provided they can, can continue growing subscribers, which you know, it, both companies are growing pretty well, and they're 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 kind of growing in lockstep, like together, like you know, the whole the whole industry is expanding you know, for the industry for paid streaming subscribers is really growing and, and Apple Music and Spotify are really driving that. But if they can, you know, as they keep going, you know, I think they definitely have a good case to, to take to the record labels and say, hey, we're we're really helping your industry give us a little better, bit of a better break on, on these royalties. So that could definitely help the profitability and we, a little bit. We don't talk too much about Apple Music because it is such a tiny part of the company's business. Um, what would this look like in terms of just you know the the segment for them? Like how big is it right now? And you know, I mean, you, you hear that costs could come down from fifty eight percent to fifty five or fifty two percent. It won't be something that meaningfully moves anything for them, but it is kind of just a nice bump, right? Right. I mean, I think it's alone. I don't think it's like this huge thing that's hugely important, but I think that Apple Music is going to be one in, uh, critically important piece. To the overall ambition to to double the services business over the next four years to about fifty billion because right now the services business overall is about twenty five billion and they want to grow that to fifty billion by twenty twenty I believe so you know there's lots of different levers they can pull to get there um, but I think Apple Music is one of the most important ones within that portfolio of services that that they're growing on and they're really putting more focus into and like I think right now it's about a three billion dollar business something like that is that is that right. Yeah, roughly based on 27 million subscribers you know, at a run rate of about 10 bucks a month, puts you at about 3.25 billion, uh, you know, roughly. But obviously, that number is kind of always moving as they're growing the subscriber base, and it's not clear how many people are on individual plans versus family plans. And they actually just introduced a new uh, pricing tier for a year-long subscription that gives you a little bit of a discount. Uh, it's like 100 bucks for a year as opposed to 120 dollars a year. If you pay on a monthly basis, so I think you know that that also appeals to the users because they can get a little discount. But then for Apple, that gives them more visibility because now you have a, a year-long subscription. So you know they definitely have a few things they can do here. So still not a, move, a needle mover for the company, but something to keep tabs on. Yeah, definitely. It, it, I think it contributes to an important strategic element, uh, but in itself, yeah, it's not a it's not a huge thing in itself. Uh, I think contributing to an important strategic element is something that uh, might be the best way to describe what we're going to talk about in our next segment on Tesla. But before we get over to that, support for industry focus comes from our friends over at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. With Rocket Mortgage, you can apply simply and understand fully so you can mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash fool, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. So, <laughs> I don't know how to tee this up. I think this is one of the weirder pieces of tech news that I have seen in a little while. Um, Tesla has online or music streaming ambitions. Who knew? Yeah, so there are reports that um, Tesla is negotiating with the record labels to to get some licensing deals going, which is really weird. And I mean, if you anyone that watched annual meeting, um, which was earlier this month, might not have been as surprised because Elon Musk dropped some hints that like they would have some announcements later this year for music streaming and matching algorithms and everyone's like what are you talking about <laughs> like everyone's just scratching their head at the meeting and then of course this report comes out just a week or two later so it is a very weird like why 
Yeah, you'd think with so many other things going on, uh, you know, them bringing Solar City into the fold, um, you know, everything that he's trying to do in terms of upping production uh, to meet estimates uh, on what they're going to be delivering for cars, there are just a lot of balls in the air over at Tesla right now. Um, it is amazing to me that they want to take on something like media as well, but uh, you know, I don't really feel like betting against Elon Musk. Yeah, it doesn't seem. It seemed like it might be a distraction, but at the same time, like, I mean, it's, it's, the whole thing is just really confounding because if the whole point is to come up with better matching algorithms, it's really hard to imagine Tesla doing that better than Apple or Spotify, specifically when it comes to just as far as like the matching and the curation, because I mean, Apple and Spotify have entire teams dedicated just to that, and Tesla does not, and. Should they really be focusing on that right now? I mean, the the flip side of this, you know, so so Morgan Stanley is uh, analyst Adam Jonas, who's generally a longtime Tesla bull, kind of made the case for why this makes sense from a content perspective. So I mean, he, he argued that Tesla should be owning the content experience that's coming through their vehicles, um, which makes some sense, particularly since Tesla you know, really is a fan of vertical integration. I mean, I think there's there's a difference though, because I mean, right now when you say content in a car, primarily that's just music streaming right now. Right today, it's just music because I mean, regulations prevent video playback on a car's infotainment system, so there's no video in the mix right now. But if if you look longer term and then you start, you know talking about this whole autonomous driving thing and as regulations loosen as we approach autonomous driving from a technical technical perspective too then you can see more of a case where you know the, the types of content that you'll have in the car will expand i mean when you're not driving you're going to want to watch something once regulation says okay if you're not actually driving at all so over time it does seem like yeah there's going to be more types of content beyond just music it's going to be you know maybe video but and yeah, it makes some sense that Tesla will want to own that or control that or, or basically be the one that's providing that service. Um, but at the same time, it's like it's not like they're going to become Netflix, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> um, because, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, you can see a case for why it makes sense that they want to own more of the content coming through the car, particularly as that content expands in the years ahead. But the timing is is hard to reconcile because i mean that's a pretty longer term goal cuz autonomous driving is probably a few, still a few years out both in terms of technology as well as regulation so they have some time to figure this out so it's kind of like why are they doing this now when they have so much other stuff to focus on i guess the the thought with tesla has always been like let's get things as ready for the future as possible right i mean they're shipping vehicles that are Technically, kind of autonomous, ready. It, it's just that the they're not actually functionally autonomous at, at the moment, and they, you know they require drivers. Um, and maybe the media ambitions here are kind of the same, where it's like you know what we're going to position ourselves for the next 10, 15, 20 years now because we can see that this is going to be a major thing. Um, I think I think as an investor, you just kind of have to say you know what this is something that Elon Musk is interested in, <laughs> and 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 just kind of hope that it doesn't take too much time from him because they still have a lot of other things to live up to. Right. So I think that's the kind of crux of it is that if if they can, it's one thing if they're just exploring this and maybe laying down the foundations for something that's to come later. And so long as it's that's all they're doing, they're not really putting a ton of energy into this, and it's not distracting them from the more important things, and I think it's fine. Um, so just hopefully it's just like the small little thing that they're like, oh, hey, we need, let's go explore this a little bit. But as long as they're not letting it distract them, then I think it's probably okay. 
who knows, Evan, maybe 10, 15 years <laughs> from now, your, your drive down to Texas will be uh, just you sitting in the seat watching Netflix with the kids. I mean, you got you to gotta trust Elon. I mean, Tesla investors generally trust Elon for whatever he wants to do, so <laughs> hopefully he can, he can keep delivering. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's certainly been my, my mindset with the company, and uh, that's, that's kind of what you're forced to do at this point, because he's, he's one of those visionary leaders. Um, anything else before I let you go, Evan? No, I think we're good. All right. Well, safe travels this weekend. Hope you have a good time with the family. You too. Listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or if you just want to reach out and say hey, you can shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com or tweet us at mfindustryfocus. We love getting questions and comments. It makes our job a lot easier in coming up with ideas for the show. If you're looking for more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or check out the Fool's family of shows at fool.com slash podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Dan Boyd for pinch hitting behind the glass today. For Evan New, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and Fool on.